Christine Nicole Hamilton was an 18-year-old from Reno Valley, California. She and her family had recently moved from Illinois, and Christine liked to hang out at the mall. On July 7, 2005, Christine was at home with her brother and stepfather. A white car with an unseen driver pulled up. Christine walked out and got inside. The car pulled away. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. We've all sat or stood there for many different emotional and complex reasons. Watching rain come down, unfortunately on the day of a family picnic. Waiting for a teenager to come home well after curfew. Looking for that car of that long-lost relative you haven't seen in 25 years. Gazing as a relationship ends and your now ex-lover goes out of sight for the last time. For me personally... My mother used to tell me how I would sit there when I was like two years old, watching the cars on Godfrey Road go back and forth, and me saying repeatedly, where to go. Yes, this part of any apartment or house holds a special place for all that is beginning or ending, like a glimpse into the future or past. Well, today we have the disappearance of Christine Hamilton, an 18-year-old who was at home. Then within 30 seconds, a car pulled up, She ran out and got in, the car sped away, and she was gone. And we are left with what was seen from a front window. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's website, charlieproject.org. Christine Hamilton, starting in her middle teenage years, became a handful for her mother, Barbara, and stepfather, Robert. She would go away for a few days at a time, not telling anyone where she was. Christine would be sighted at a few different hotels in the Moreno Valley area, but no one knew who she was seeing. She had friends, but they were only known to her family by their first names, or nicknames. However, through all of it, and despite not having a cell phone, Christine would always call home to make sure her family knew she was okay. The suspicion, of course, was that Christine was into drugs, but no one at her house ever saw evidence of that. So on July 7th, 2005, Christine was at home with her stepfather and her brother Matt, who was upstairs in his room. At about noon, a white car of unknown make and year pulled up in front of the house. Matt saw this from his window, but without his contacts, he couldn't give a better description later. Christine ran out to the car and jumped in. The vehicle went down the street. Christine was never seen again. Although Christine's family often saw her go out and jump into cars with unknown drivers, they never specifically remembered a white car like the one from that day picking her up, so they could not give police any idea of who the driver was. This is another of Unfound's cases where there isn't a ton of information. What we do have are names of people, some complete, some not, who Christine's family believes knows something about her disappearance. We hope you, the listeners, can help find these people. However, this case has brought up compelling questions as well. Number one, 
Given that Christine was picked up, why did no one notice her calling anyone earlier that morning? Number two, why did so few of her friends offer up theories or persons of interest to Christine's family or the police? And number three, why did Christine's stepfather, not long after she disappeared, leave his good job, his family, and even the state of California while sending bizarre messages to his wife, Barbara? Christine's family is open to the idea of foul play in her disappearance. However, given her behavior and daily patterns, it could be that she simply did run off. The guest for this episode is Christine's mother, Barbara Hamilton. Unfound news. My dad is here. I picked him up on Wednesday night after the YouTube live show. He will be here until June 26th. I am hoping he will make an appearance on the live show next Wednesday, June 19th. We shall see. Next, there was a search conducted for Mary Lands this past weekend in Taconcha, Michigan. As of the recording of this episode, nothing has been found. Articles state a couple tips came in about searching that area. Could these be connected to Unfound's episode from back in March? I really don't know. I hope so, but I have no information to support that. And finally, last Saturday, June 8th, I got together with Chip Campbell's family in Palm Harbor, Florida. One of Chip's sisters, Laura, created a magnificent painting of a lighthouse at night with a beam shining out from it and that the end of that ray of light is the Unfound logo. It is really, really nice. And the painting now hangs in the room where I record all of the episodes and conduct the live shows. Please look for it the next time you watch on a Wednesday night. And I've also posted a picture of it in the discussion group and the Unfound Facebook page. Thank you, Laura. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on YouTube for the Unfound Live Show. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also the email address. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. And Volume 6 of Season 1 is just about done. Shirts at myshopify.com. Cards at makeplayingcards.com. And please mention Unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Christine Hamilton, Barbara Hamilton. Barbara, welcome to Unfound. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome, Barbara. Let's start here. Let's talk a little bit about Christine and her childhood. First of all, um, is she your only child or do you have um, other children? I have an older son. Older son, Matt, correct? Yes. Okay, great. He lives in Texas. He does. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And so uh, how much older is Matt than Christine? Um, close to three years, two years, eight and a half months. Okay. Okay. That's, that's pretty good memory. A lot of, I have to admit sometimes when I ask parents that it takes them a little longer to figure that out. Okay. 
So tell the listeners a little bit about Christine. Her interests and hobbies as a little girl to becoming a, a young teenager. How would you explain her personality and what she was into? Well, she was a social butterfly, for one. She was talked nonstop. She loved to dress up. And as she got older, she liked to do makeup, hair, clothes. She was constantly changing her clothes, seemed like every hour. Huh. Um, when she was in junior high, she was big into roller skating. It was like she was obsessed with it. She'd go to the roller skating rink all the time and hang out with her friends and skate. Neat. Neat. Yeah. Huh? Neat. I did that yeah, at then, one time in my life, too, when I was young. Yes, I remember that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, she went through that in her junior high years. And then mm-hmm. um, she liked folk music a lot. And hmm. um, she was more into, like, the hippie-type stage, like, uh, I can't think of what they're called. Oh, um. Jerry Garcia. Oh, Grateful Dead? That. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, of course, she was 18 when she disappeared in 2005. I don't know of how many teenagers were into it at that time, so that must have made her a bit unique. Yeah, and she was actually into it before we moved out here, so she was mm-hmm. like 16 years old when she was into mm-hmm. it, 15, 16. <laughs> Do you think that she got that from you or from her father, from somebody else? Where where did that influence you think come from? I don't know because her dad, and I mean, we grew up in the 70s, so it was like, you know, the music, but he was never into that. He was always into like, you know, rock and roll and kiss mm-hmm. and all them. So, mm-hmm. and and I'm more into the soft rock and that. So I don't know where she got that from. Okay. Well, that's interesting. She was kind of a, she kind of beat to her own drum. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Yeah, she did. Okay. And how'd she do in school? Um, was she in any activities or sports or anything? No, she wasn't in sports or anything. Her, I think her activities were socializing. Because she'd get herself in trouble for talking too much. Uh-huh. <laughs> even okay. when she was little. Yeah. Okay. Even when she was like in elementary school? Oh, yeah. Even like first grade, like the teacher moved her and put her by herself. She said, I think she'd talk to that filing cabinet if, you know, just stick her in the corner and she'd be talking to the filing cabinet just to hear herself oh, talk. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and I, I'm guessing then, it being a social butterfly, that she had made a lot of friends and. Yeah, she didn't meet a stranger, but she was very mm. trusting. So. Okay. That was kind of scary sometimes. Okay. And, um, of course, it's at some point, not long before she di- uh, she disappeared. Um, you were growing up. You she was kind of raised in Illinois. And then you moved to California. How did she feel about that, being that she was a social butterfly and had all these friends and was going to have to move to another state? How did she react to that? Well, at first she didn't care for it, but then after a while she was good with it. And Mm -hmm. then it didn't take her long because she was. we were only here a year and a half when she disappeared. So 
she got out there right mm-hmm. away and started making friends. Okay. Did she keep in contact with any of her friends back in Illinois or not? Do you know? Yeah. I mean, I know she did somewhat because she went back there for a while, but um, mm-hmm. then she came back out here. So, okay. kind of, you know, back and forth. Right. And I have to admit, I think this even came up in one of our conversations that uh, maybe even as an adult, um, would I rather live in Illinois or California? I think I'd rather live in California. So maybe uh, yeah. maybe that probably would have been easier. Had you been moving from California to Illinois, might have been a little bit different, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. Right. Okay. Because California, it's uh, seen as maybe one of the cooler, you know, more fashionable states. Right. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, now we, we just mentioned that move. Why did that move happen that happened a year and a half before she disappeared? Can you explain that to the listeners? Well, originally, um, my husband at the time and I had talked about moving to Arizona cause he had family out there and to get mm-hmm. out of Illinois and away from the cold and all that. And he was a store manager for Walgreens. And, um, but at that time, there was no room for growth in the state of, Cal- of uh, Arizona. Pretty much like they said it was stagnant because all their store managers, there was no room. They weren't mm. um, building new ones a okay. lot. So, but they offered him the option of maybe checking out California. <clears throat> okay. And so, we said, sure, why not? So they flew us out here and we checked everything out and decided to go for it. And then he left in October and we came in 2003 and then we all came out here in January of 2004. Okay. Now we should be clear. Um, uh, when you say your husband, you mean Robert, but that is not Christine's biological father. Correct. Not her biological father, right. no. But he did, Robert did end up adopting Christine. Right. Okay. And he's known mostly to anybody as Mike. It's Robert Michael Hamilton, but okay. he goes by Mike. He does. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh-huh. All right. So, and how long um, had you two been a couple uh, before I, I guess you met him after Christine was born and how long had you right. been married um, before she disappeared how long you had been married in 2005 at that point 10 years about 10 years okay mm-hmm. so um, okay 10 years so she was about eight years old when you two got married and he adopted her okay she moved her when she was older, but yeah. Okay. And how did it how did it go uh, with moving to California, moving to Moreno Valley, which is if people don't know, it's kind of down near San Bernardino and in Riverside, California, kind of Southern California. How did it go uh, once you got there? Not too bad. I mean, you know, I was trying to find a job and he had a job and I did a lot of temp jobs and different things till I found something permanent uh-huh. and then I found that job right a month before she disappeared 
Okay. And you said that uh, maybe when she f- first got there, wasn't too thrilled, but you said that she adapted fairly quickly, although you said she did go back to Illinois for a little bit. Yeah, she did for um, school, and then she came back out here. And then, mm-hmm. uh, but. Okay. Yeah, she liked to. Okay. Socialize and go. Right. And let's talk about that. Um, it does seem in, in Christine's case that maybe she was uh, going out. You told me that she was going out for several days, you know, once she moved to California, making friends with people. But a lot of these people maybe weren't coming back to your house. You were maybe a little worried about her. Was this something that started in Illinois or was this something new once you moved to California? Um, I had a couple issues with her not coming home when she was supposed to back in Illinois, but, um, probably more so after she was out here. Mm-hmm. Did that start right away? Once again, I know that you moved out there in the beginning of 2004. Was this something that started in March, April, 2004, or would you say this is something that transpired much closer to when she disappeared in July, 2005? Probably closer to when she disappeared, not at the Mm -hmm. beginning because we really didn't know anybody. Yeah. Okay. And did this, what she was doing, did this get in the way of uh, going to school or uh, did she graduate high school or what was the situation there? she didn't graduate. She didn't. Okay. No. Why was that? Because she quit going. Quit going. When did you, if you can say, when did you start to notice this this change in her? Was this before California or once you got there? Was this a bad, California, I guess what I'm saying is, was California a bad influence on her? Or had you stayed in Illinois, do you think she would have finished high school? How do you perceive it now? You know, what was going on with her and why do you think she changed like this? I think I would have had a little bit more control of her probably in Illinois because I had family there and that, but when mm-hmm. I'm working all day yeah. and you know, right. And she, yeah, get out there and then, you know, take my car and a couple times she didn't bring it home. Okay. And did you believe at the time, once again, we only talk about these things, not because we're trying to pry into Christine's private life because these could be things that led to her disappearance. And would you say that there could have been a drug angle to her not wanting to go to school and staying out, being away for days at a time? I think she was doing, uh, when she got around some other people, she was doing crystal meth. I can't prove it, but pretty much by the, you know, she'd be go, go, go. And then she'd just be out and then sleep for Mm-hmm. A day or more. But you never saw her do anything? She never brought any of that home? Not that I know of, no. Not that you ever I saw? I never saw any of it. Okay, and and I, and I in talking to Matt, um, I know that he said he never saw anything either, and I will talk about it, my conversation with him after. Do you think that this um, interest in 
crystal meth uh, happened before Illinois or happened once she got to California? That, I think, happened after she got to California. Okay. I could be wrong, uh, okay. but I don't. I didn't see any signs of that. Okay. All right. So we have um, a girl that was new to California, decided she wasn't going to go to school. At some point, once she got to California, did not graduate. Was she trying to keep any sort of job or, or anything like that? Well, she had a job for a while at Taco Bell. Mm. But I don't remember exactly how long. Okay. Okay. So she would go out it, for days at a time. Would she keep in contact with you, though? Or was this really yeah, something? A day, I mean, like one or mm. two, you know. Okay. But I mean, yeah, she always called me. It didn't matter. I mean, if she was mad at me, yeah. she would always call me. It might be a blocked number, but she always called. Okay. So. Okay. And we have to talk about this as well. How did, and we'll get into the more de uh, details, uh, uh, more of the details here in a moment, but um, how would you say that Christine and her stepfather, Robert, known as Mike, uh, got along were they uh, friendly with each other? I know you adopted her, but from Illinois to California, how was their relationship? Well, it depended on the day. <laughs> Just depended on the day. Okay. Yeah. I you understand. Know, okay. And, and, yeah. and being the... It heads a lot because I would, you know, let her mm. do things and he didn't think I should. And Okay. I know that if you can say, uh, what kind of conversations were you and he having about Christine when this was going on, when you might have suspected that she was getting into drugs and, and things? I mean, what were those conversations? Because even though he wasn't her biological father, he did adopt her. So he, of course, has uh, some of the responsibility in this. Well, I don't think that I recall ever saying anything. I just kind of dealt with it on my own. He didn't say much at all. Didn't not about didn't, that to him, because no. then you know. Okay. No. All right. Do you think he knew though? I mean, do you think? Do you think? I don't know. Do you think that he knew your suspicions about what she may or may not be doing? I don't know about that. I mean, okay. Know. Okay. I mean, all right. Well, it just, the communication about her wasn't. You know, it wasn't the easiest thing. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on uh, to this. To um, we moving now into 2005. We have a young girl that's going out. We're going to talk about some of uh, her friends later. Some of these names that you learned over time. But in the days and weeks uh, before Christine's disappearance, did there seem to be uh, an increase? And anything that you look back, let's say at May 2005, were there any big changes, things that maybe worried you even more than what you had been seeing, anything like that? Well, I know she talked about moving out and moving in her own place with friends and that, but I don't understand how she thought she was going to do it because she didn't have a job, and I told her that. Okay. And but, what would she have to say to that? Well, she said that, you know, 
I don't remember exactly what happened, but because Mike was making more rules and about her friends coming in the house and that when we weren't home, she wasn't too happy about it. So, okay. Came home a couple of times and there were people in the house. Okay. And things he... had disappeared. Oh, had they? Uh-huh. Maybe she or some of her friends were taking things. Can you yeah. give an can you give an example of something that went missing? Well, cell phone went missing, and then um, a camera that was my camera. So, huh. <clears throat> okay. And during this time, you you told me that maybe she was hanging out at some other pe- people's places, and maybe even a couple hotels for a couple of days. Can you name even one of those places in the Moreno Valley area or elsewhere that you knew, you know, in those couple months leading up to her disappearance? Well, I know there was a home here in Moreno Valley that um, was over off of uh, Jimson or Jimson place. Tony. I thought it was yeah. Joshua Tree. Yeah. Joshua Tree and Jimson place. Yes. Thing. I don't know about the hotel. Okay. All right, maybe that I thought that had come up at some point. I had that in my notes. Okay, and yeah, I think that was okay. And, and did she have a, uh, a driver's license, a cell phone, any of those things in two thousand five? Yeah, she had a driver's license. We had given her a cell phone, but once back then it was like, you know, you didn't get unlimited, mm-hmm. and she ran the phone bill way up couple times so we took it away okay so she had a phone but it wasn't working she did have um, a driver's license but uh, it sounds to me like you didn't exactly allow her to drive the car or where there was some rule about that well it was my car so I had to have it to get back and forth to work and and she took off with it and then didn't bring it home that night and so then I did, you know, it was mm-hmm. a job that I needed to get to. And then one other time she did that. And then that was the end of that. We said no more. What was she, she saying to you? Started uh, picking her up. Uh, I don't, I, of course, as the listeners know, I don't have any children, but I know that many of them do. Uh, I talk to a lot of mothers on this program who have lost sons and daughters to disappearances and, uh, I'm interested to know, you know, what kind of conversations were you having with Christine at this time? For example, when she takes your car without her per- your permission, she doesn't bring it back. But then when she, she comes back, does she answer any of your questions? Is it an argument? You know, what was she what was she telling you? What was going through her head? The first time I don't remember because <clears throat> someone that I had staying with us at the time, uh, had I had I finally got a hold of her and had her meet me and I got my car and then she just went with the person that was living with us and came back home and I was already late for work and I hadn't been at the job very long so um mm-hmm. but the second time she did it she tried to give me some crazy wild story that somebody took the car and they had to chase them down and try to get the car back, and they finally got the car back and all this, which I didn't believe any of it. Total fabrication. Yes. All right. 
So even when you tried to talk to her about it, um, she didn't oh, want yeah. to. Uh, she like straight she... my face. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now there is an incident that we do need to talk to uh, talk about, and uh, it does have to do uh, with the with the car. And this is something that happened. And this is why I asked earlier about the relationship between Christine and her stepfather Mike. And mm -hmm. that is. This road rash incident, uh, how did this happen? When did this happen? Why did it happen? Well, I know it was in the summer, but I'm trying to remember. We were working in the yard, and she had taken off with the car and then hadn't brought it back. And then we were out in the yard working, and the next thing you know, she comes walking up, and she said somebody had brought her there. And I'm thinking, why you have my car? And I said, I think she has the car down around the corner. And Mike goes, well, you want to go down there? I said, no, why don't you just go down there? Well, then he came back with all the road rash and all that. He said he put his hand through the window to grab the keys out of the ignition. And she rolled up the window and sped off with his arms still stuck in there. Oh, my. And drug him. But then... She told me that he reached in and punched her. So I don't know. But he, you know, he mm -hmm. didn't report it. He didn't want to report it to the police or do anything. He allowed her to come back home. So I don't know. Okay. So you didn't actually see this happen, but we have no, two. It was down around the corner from our house. Okay. No, I'm guessing nobody else witnessed this. Nobody. Nope. Okay. And we have two um, possibly separate stories uh, that he tried to grab the keys. And then she's saying that he, he punched her. Given her propensity, it seems to lie about at least the car situations. I'm guessing that maybe people are going to be more inclined to believe Mike, but nobody was there to see it. All you know is Mike came back and had road rash. Right. And how bad was it? It was pretty bad. Down one mm. whole side of his leg because he mm. had on these like um, lounge pants, I guess. Mm. They were like a silky material, so they're elastic. So it when when it drug him on the ground, it pulled the pants down and <clears throat> scraped his leg. Okay. And you're thinking this was in the summer of 2005, so that had to have been within like a month of her disappearance. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because the weather, you know, mm -hmm. you're doing yard work sometimes in March, so I don't I don't remember exactly what month, but Okay. Okay. Did she really need the the car that bad that she was willing to just take it? Did she not have and of course we know the details of her disappearance. She got picked up by somebody. How often did she get did she get picked up in contrast to these times that she wanted to take the car and everything? Um, well, if I had the car, she didn't, you know, she mm -hmm. had to get picked up because if mm -hmm. I was at work or whatever, but then after okay. the last incident, she didn't get the car anymore. Right. Right. And these people, these friends, uh, as you said before, Mike, uh, it seems came up with some new rules as far as people being allowed to come over to the house when nobody was there. Uh, did you right. get to meet any of these people who would come over 
Um, how well did you get to know them? Uh, being that Christine seemed to be her own person, making her own choices, didn't want to go to school, taking the car, uh, etc. Would you say that these uh, people around her were kind of the same, or did you get along with them? What was your impression of them? Well, they didn't come around a lot. I mean, not mm. to really get to know anybody. Okay. So even though you had been in California since the beginning of 2004, even by July of 2005, you would have had a hard time naming very many of the people that Christine was hanging out with. Yeah, I just probably name a few, but it's few. Okay, their we'll, first names, yeah. Okay, and we will we will go through that a little bit later. So she, it sounds to me like she would only bring them over when you weren't there, and when you were there, she didn't. I guess she didn't want to be there. Okay. Right. Okay. You had to be really worried about her, Barbara. I mean, just an overall. Yeah. I mean, where did you think it? I'm I'm guessing that you never could have guessed that it was going to end up in a disappearance. No parent does. But where no. did you really think this was going, her behavior and everything that she was doing? Where did you think it was going at the beginning of July 2005? Well, I mean, I talked to her that day, and, mm. and then I called her back later, and then she never answered the phone. And then... Well, I guess uh, let, me re let me rephrase that. The beginning, I don't necessarily mean July 7th. I'm just saying maybe late June, you know, you're thinking about your daughter and all these things are going on. Did you think that she was going to work her way out of it? Did it seem like she was getting worse? Did she ever say, you know what, maybe I, you know, got to finish my education? Did she have any, ever express any regrets about not getting back on a, a better track or she, or did she, was she fully bought into what she was doing? Fully bought into what she was doing. Fully bought in. Okay. And uh, so once again, you had to be really worried about that. Yeah, I was because I didn't yeah. know what to do. Right. She's 18. What are you going to do, right? Adult. Right. Yeah. We run into that a lot on this program uh, with parents who have kids who are adults, adult age but making a lot of questionable choices. Right. Okay. Let's get to that day, July 7th, 2005. So we've set up what she was doing, the choices she was making, kind of the overall feeling in the house. And July 7th, 2005, what do you remember about that day? You went to work, etc. Well, she had called me before I went to work and she wanted a ride because she was had stayed at a friend's house and I said, well, I can't pick you up. I got to go to work, but Mike's off so he can come and get you. Mm -hmm. And then he left to get her. And then as I was driving to work, I passed them on the road and she was in the truck with him coming okay. towards the house. Okay. And then I talked to her later on that day. And then when I tried calling back later, she didn't answer. And then when I got home, I asked, and they said, I don't know, She, I guess she left, because he said, I laid down and took a nap, and then when I got up, she wasn't here, so I just assumed that she was gone or in her room, but... She wasn't so. there. Okay. 
Right. So she called you to come pick her up. What time in the morning would this have been? When was this? Probably seven o'clock in the morning. Wow. So she was up at seven in the morning somewhere. Yeah. Uh, okay. Work at eight. Okay. And where was she? Being that Mike did go pick go to pick her up, where did he go to pick her up? Um, it was at a friend's house. His name was Albert. Okay. And what on what street is that? Do you know? Can you remember? Lombardi. Lombardi. Mm-hmm. In Moreno Valley. Yeah. Okay. And so she was over at uh, Al's place. Had you ever met Al before? Yeah, I'd met Albert before a couple okay. times, just briefly. Okay. So she was over there. Do you think that was kind of a, a boyfriend or someone or just a friend? Just How a long? friend. Just a friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's over there. She wants picked up. You have to go to work. You go to work. Um, Mike goes instead. And on your way to work, they're going back the other direction. What does uh, Mike tell you? happened once uh they got home that morning but she just went in her room and Mm -hmm. he was doing other stuff and had you know ran errands and did a bunch of different stuff that day and okay and was your son matt home that day yes okay so he's home mike gets home with christine those two, of course, just had an issue maybe a month before that, a few months before that with a run-in, but um, he went and uh, picked her up, which I guess was was uh, nice of him to do, and he claims he had some things to do, and then when he got up, let you called her and talked to her at what time later? I don't remember exactly what time it was. She called me while I was at work. Okay, and what was the content of the conversation? be honest i don't remember don't you remember why do you think that she would have uh called you did she often call you at work or was that call me all the time okay and what was just to talk just to ask you something um yeah ask me something or want something or okay and you just can't remember what it was all these years later no okay so um, she calls you. Uh, did you take for granted at that point she was still at home? Yes. Okay. And then you were still at work later when you tried calling your house. And are you saying that nobody picked up the phone or, or what did you do? Right. Nobody picked up the phone. And when I got home, I found the phone in her bedroom. All right. Like a cordless phone. Okay, and was Matt there? Was Mike there? Was anybody home when you got home? Yeah, Mike was there and Matt. They were both there, but they didn't pick up the phone when you called. Right, the phone was in her room. Okay. All right, they didn't hear it ring or anything. I'm just asking because, you know, when you call, you think nobody's home, but could they have been out when you called before, or what do you think? Well, Mike could have been. Matt wouldn't have been. Matt didn't drive, but he had his own phone in his own room, his own line, so he probably wouldn't even think about answering it. Okay. So you get home. Okay. So you get home, and they're there, but Christine isn't there. 
And when does Matt tell you the story about what he saw earlier that day? I asked him if he saw her earlier, and he said that he saw her get in a white car and leave when I asked him. Hmm. Okay, did that's did that sound unusual when you heard that? Did you happen to no. think, oh, so and so picked her up? I know that car, I've seen it come here before, anything like that. Yeah, but I didn't have that person's phone number. So I called over to the house on Jimson and asked them if they'd seen her and they said no. Okay. So when when I guess what I'm asking is when Matt said she got picked up by a, a, in a white car, did you have an idea of who might be driving that white car? Did there was like yeah. a name, was there a name of somebody driving it that automatically popped into your head? Yeah, he went by the nickname Joker, and I think his real first name was Johnny. Okay. Had you met him before? And we're going to talk yeah. about him a little later, but you had met him before? He'd actually been over to your house once? Outside, yeah, I met him outside in the yard. Okay. Um, how would you um, describe him? Height, weight, ethnicity, skin color? What would you say he looked like? That either Hispanic or Indian. Mm -hmm. He had long black hair and a ponytail, and he was a small built, like... Maybe five five. Well, shorter guy. Okay. And what approximately what age do you think he was? I thought he looked like he was in his twenties. Okay. Did he have any facial hair? Clean shaven? Uh, I believe he was clean shaven. All right. When you saw him. Okay. But there is, I mean, you thought that it was him driving this white car because, once again, that's just the mm -hmm. name that popped into your head. But to be clear, Matt seeing her go out to this car, he didn't actually see that. He did not see Joker driving the car. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I think he said that she got into the car, but mm -hmm. they didn't get out, so. Okay, so he couldn't see who was, he was driving, but. See, it was a second story window, too. Right, that's right. Okay. And so what'd you think? So Matt tells you she jumped in this car and took off. Did you just think, oh, here we go again. She'll just be back tomorrow or something? Is Yeah. Okay. And did uh, Mike have anything to say about any of this? What did he say he again? He didn't know what where she went. Okay. He said, you know, he got up and he just assumed she was in her room, but... Okay. We're not there, but. Okay. So you're uh, patiently waiting, maybe from a phone call from her, for a phone call from her. Like you said, you she sometimes would call you at work, maybe to go pick her up. You're maybe waiting for that. When did you start to think maybe this is a little different than all the other times? How many days did it take? Probably by the second day, it was frantic. So about July 9th? Called the police. Yeah. Okay. Okay, you called the police, and um, what did they do? They told me that she was 18, she was of age, and because there was no signs of foul play, there wasn't a car that she was driving that was abandoned anywhere, that mm -hmm. she was considered a consenting adult, 
and they could do a missing persons report, and that was it. That was all the work they were going to put into it at that point. Right. Okay. And is that uh, – so let's just say it was July 9th. Is that day that you officially filed the report? Did you actually go about yeah, do, doing that? Yeah, over the phone. No, I did it over the phone. Okay. And at that point, did you tell the police about um, Joker? Did that name come up, or did you think, man, you need no. to check this guy out? Did, did you give them? Could you give them any names at all? They didn't. What? And they said she's considered an adult, and that you know, there okay. was nothing they could do. Okay. And so after you did that, did you even have anybody to call? Um, did you know Joker's phone number? Did you know, of course, these yeah. friends? It seemed they didn't come around that often. If they did, uh, you weren't, or and Mike, and maybe not even Matt were around. Did you even know any phone numbers to even call? Yeah, I had a few. Like Reno was one, and mm -hmm. the Jimson House was another. Okay. Um, Albert. And tell the listeners uh, what these people had to say. That they hadn't seen her. No. Raina said she had seen her a few days before that, but not then. I had people calling the house asking for her, and I told them that she had been missing. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of shocked. Do you know any of the, who any of these people were? There was one person that called, and then a vet called. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about her in a bit. And then um, the Jimson house where I talked to Troy Lynn and she said mm -hmm. they hadn't seen her and she acted like she was really worried and she kept calling me. But... Okay. Did they, any of them, could any of them, since you already knew at that point that Matt had said she had been picked up by somebody with a white car, did you mention that to them? Did any of them have any idea who could have picked her up that might have had a white car? No, because I don't think that they went over to that house together with him, Johnny. So with Joker, you don't. Yeah. Uh, do you I not don't even think, think, he think... Went to the Jimson house? Right. Well, what I'm asking is, well, I heard you know Matt's. Uh, I'm just visualizing the scenario when you talk to one of these people. Yeah, my son Matt said he's she's she jumped in a car uh, with a white car. Do you have any idea who that might be? You didn't ask any of them that question. I don't remember if I did or not. Okay. But they never voluntarily said, well, you know what? She might be with this person. Did any of them offer up any possibilities while you were talking to them? No. Okay. All right. So they are, they all, they, it just sounds like they knew a bunch of nothing is what it sounds like to right. me. Uh, they weren't, they weren't really that helpful is the way you're portraying Correct. it. And I, I'm, I'm not saying you're lying. I believe you. But the overall idea was, well, these people aren't being that helpful. Right. Okay. All right. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't know something. It's just that when they were talking right. to you, they uh, weren't helpful. Um, did you go out maybe in your car, you and Mike, maybe even Matt, like kind of try to drive around, maybe to go to some of these places that uh, she knew to frequent? Or just well, you do? the ones at the houses that I knew about, I talked to them on the phone, but mm -hmm. um, like we drove around looking and I hung up, you know, missing person flyers all over the place. Okay. And at any point, 
did the police maybe take more of an interest in this instead of just saying, well, she's an adult? Was there any point that they said, oh, maybe this is something different? Probably not till a year later or so when uh, wow. a retired sergeant from the PD um, mm-hmm. was going through missing persons reports and he said this isn't just a missing person right okay well tell started investigating yeah please tell the listeners a little bit about that a year later well they were talking to people and that had some names for and that and um Mm -hmm. they they weren't coming up with anything I mean, they think that people might know more than what they were saying. And they said that maybe when they got in trouble with the law, then they might be willing to give up something in exchange for something. But then that never happened either. Okay. Uh, Do you believe that they ended up, for example, you mentioned the name Reina, who we will talk about in a second. Do you believe the police talked to her? Yes. Okay. Do you believe that they were able to track down who uh, Joker is? Yes. Okay, but but they never gave you his real name? I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah. How long ago that they told me. Right. And the listeners should know that uh, within the last week or so, I've been trying to figure out on my own who this guy is, and um, and we'll be talking about him more in a little bit, We're trying to figure out what his real name is, and it's been a little bit of a chore, to say the least. Um, I've sent some different pictures to you, and you said, no, this isn't the guy, that's not the guy. Right. But your impression is that the police know who he is, and you think that they talked to him. Yeah, they did, because okay. they told me that part, I mean... Okay. And he said that, you know, they asked him about if he picked her up and whatever. And then he said he didn't remember, but he said we were doing a lot of drugs back in those days. So, Well, back in those days, I mean, they're talking to him, what, a year later? He makes it sound like, that, you no, know, I, I know you're just, him. yeah. No, they're talking to him like, uh, more than that. I mean, this was way later. Not a year later. Wow. No, 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 no. Wow. This was finally when they found him. This was probably two detectives ago. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well, I know what you mean by I mean, the listeners know what you mean by that, too, because these cases do go through a lot of detectives. But would you say that it was 2010 or 2012? No. The disappearance happened in 2005, so when, 2015? It was after 2010. Okay. So it wasn't until your impression, and in, in, in I mean, five, even if it was a year later, it's horrible, but at least five years later, even more than that, is how long it took before the police even thought about going to this guy's house who you thought picked Christine up that day. Yeah, that took them, you know, different ones looking figured out who he was because they kept looking for different okay. persons using that name. Okay. All right, let's let's go through some of these names and we'll be coming uh back to Joker uh, probably a little bit. 
Um, we had mentioned the name. So the police were working on this but didn't take it seriously for a while. You're putting up um, flyers. Other people hopefully are trying to help you. Of course, you have, you know, you still have a life to live. You're thinking maybe she did run off, being that, you know, she just wanted to do what she wanted to do. But she was, um, you know, doing some drugs, even though you never saw it personally. But um, let's talk about Raina just a little bit more. How did you even know um, her name and who she was? And why do you think that name maybe sticks out to you? Because I know you don't know many of the names of the people Christine was hanging out at the time. Why do you think Raina's name sticks out? Because she came over to the house. Okay. More than once. times, And then when, and when Christine, after Christine disappeared, she came over about seeing if she could help in any way okay. to try and find her, but she didn't have any leads. Okay. And when that was the was last the one, what I told you. Right. When was the last time that you spoke to Raina? Uh, gosh, I don't know. It had to be before, was before September of 2005. Wow, it's been that long then. Yeah. 14 years, almost since the disappearance is the last time yeah. you spoke to her. Could you... Yeah, um we moved out of the house, so... Okay. Did you um, – no, can you give any particular – more particulars? Because I think that it would be interesting to track Raina down after all these years. Any other description? Um, was she a white girl, African-American, Hispanic? You know, which street she might have lived Hispanic. on? Or She was Hispanic. Okay. Anything else? How old – about Christine's age or a little older or what do you think? About Christine's age. So she was about 18. Okay, Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, did she live maybe close to you, or do you think that, you know, when she would come over, did she drive over to your house, or do you know? I think somebody dropped her off. No, I don't know exactly where she lived. I mean, I never took her home or mm -hmm. went to her house or anything like that. Okay. Raina, and I know that there are a variety of ways to spell that. I just have in my notes R-A-I-N-A, -A, but it could be R-A-N-A. -A. Yeah. could be a couple, you know, a few different things. Okay, Correct. so she would be 14 years later. She might be about 32. Her name would be Raina, living in Marino, Marino Valley. Raina is not a common name, so uh, I would guess so she's probably on Facebook. Yeah, I'm guessing she's on Facebook <clears throat> somewhere. Being that most people yeah, I are, guess she was transient or something when they found her. And she was okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully, um, she's not transient now. Hopefully, you know, she figured things out in, in her life. But there's Raina, and um, when the police found her, would you say they didn't? When did they find her? Um, later. Later, like, just like just like with Joker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, well, if she was transient years later, that's not a good sign. Okay. Well, that was one of the people you talked to, and your impression is that she knew, at least to you, she said she knew nothing about anything. She was just no, as surprised. She was like acted like she was, yeah, surprised as I was. Okay. 
let's talk about uh, this. We can't call her a girl. She was a woman. Um, in fact, I think that she's in her 50s now. But Troy Lynn Proctor, and that is a woman, uh, T-R-O-Y-L-Y-N-N, and I was able to figure out her last name is Proctor, P-R-O-C-T-O-R. Um, she is the person who lived on at Jimson Place, a, an address we've already talked about. How did you even know about her? Why did you know her name? You know how how did were you introduced to her? I was introduced to her when I dropped Christine off there before. Okay. And they had the house phone number for Christine because Christine didn't have a cell phone anymore. Okay. And and so, who was Troilin? And uh, I am hesitant to give the address out because I don't I'm not sure yeah. Troilin lives there anymore. But it was on Jimson Place, which isn't a very big street. And in fact, it's a dead end street. Um, it's like has it's like a cul de sac. Um, who else was living there? Was Troilin just living there by herself, or what was your impression when you would drop Christine off there and? What was Christine at 18 hanging out with a woman who would have, at the time would have been in her 40s or something? What was your impression of all that? Well, she had a daughter that was 17 then. Okay. And then some other people that hung out there. But um, And then she was, Troy Lynn was married. And then I think it was her husband's uncle. His name was George that owned the house. And okay. they all lived there. Right. That's right. His name is George, and um, he is deceased now that I was able to, to figure right. that out. Uh, did you talk to Troy Lynn after Christine disappeared? Yes. And what'd she have to say? That she was really worried that, you know, she couldn't understand what had happened. And, and then one time she called me and told me that she got this electronic message on her phone that said this is christine and i'm okay huh but it was an electronic voice it wasn't like you know i don't know it was an electronic voice yeah Hmm. like it sounded like a computer was talking or something yeah and how long after christine disappeared did that happen do you remember um Probably within a couple months or so after that. Okay. But that didn't lead anywhere? Just... No. Okay. Do you think that Troy Lynn knew Joker? It is a possibility, but I can't say for sure. No. Do you think Raina knew Joker? Um... I don't know for sure. Don't know. Don't know. Okay. If you don't know, you don't know. I, I just have to ask these questions. Okay. Uh, did, was it even clear to you? Do you think that Christine um, met Troy Lynn? Do you think that was the reason Christine knew Troy Lynn is because of Troy Lynn's daughter? Is that your impression? That's a possibility. I just know that, you know. They hung out with other people that were there, too. So I think that was like the party house. Okay. 
And do you think that the police at any point went over to Jimson Place and talked to Troy Lynn or her daughter about Christine's disappearance? Well, I know they talked to Troy Lynn. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember how soon afterwards, but um, when they really started reinvestigating it again, it had been a while, and my understanding was that Troy Lynn got herself in some trouble. Mm. Trying okay. to burn the house down or something. Wow. Insurance purposes. That's that's okay. not what the detective told me. Okay. And the listeners should know that Troy Lynn is on Facebook. Okay, so we have her. We have Raina. And I'm um, not sure if these did either of these these uh, the woman and the the teenager at any time did they volunteer co- uh, Joker's name in the discussions that you had with them? Did either of them ever say I think that Joker was the one that could have picked Christine up? No, no. Okay. We have another woman to talk about, and the listeners should know I've actually talked to this woman, and I really believe that um, she is trying to be helpful. And her name is Yvette, and in fact, um, at the time, she even uh, was quoted in an article regarding Christine's disappearance. Um, How, to your knowledge, how did Christine know Yvette? I don't know how she knew her. Okay. But. Okay. Had you met Yvette back at the time? Yeah, I met her once. Okay. Because in talking to Yvette, and she claims that uh, she had met Christine through mutual friends. Um, okay. And that's that's what she said. However, <clears throat> Yvette could not remember who these friends were. You can take that for what it's worth. Uh, she said that she was trying to figure that out, but she doesn't even live in California anywhere anymore. And um, Yvette uh, was the one who told me about where she used to pick uh, Christine up on this Dunlavy Street, D-U-N-L-A-V-Y. Were you re- familiar with Dunlavy Street? Uh, at any point back then with Christine? Had you ever heard about her going and hanging, going to any houses on that street back then? No. Okay. Okay. All right, so we have Yvette. Uh, Her name at the time was Yvette Allen, and you only met her once. And how is it, do you even remember, and I have not asked Yvette this question, how is it that she was the one that ended up... um, getting quoted in this article that was written about Christine's disappearance that I'm sure you've seen. Um, do you know how that happened? Well, I think when they did the article, cause like I called, you know, looking for Christine and then she was calling, supposedly calling around trying to see if she could find her. Mm-hmm. Um, that when the PE did the article, I think they asked me for friends and somehow got her name and, Called her and asked okay. her for an interview. Okay. And do you remember the situation under which you got to meet Yvette? Was it one of the times that she brought Christine home, or what do you think? When she came here to pick her up. To pick her up. Okay. 
All right, so we have, luckily, we've been able to track Yvette down. Uh, I've sent some messages to Troy Lynn. She has not responded to them yet, but she is on Facebook, and we still are not sure who Raina is. And I will continue to work with Yvette, maybe try to, uh, you know, she knows where I am, and I, I'm, of course, going to uh, give her a link to this episode when it comes out so she can listen to it, and I hope she continues to be a resource. Maybe sh some things will come to mind. Let's go back to Joker. We've already talked about his age, his ethnicity. Now, he does have a tattoo, and you got to see it. Can you describe the tattoo to the listeners? Yeah, it was a joker like on the deck of cards. Okay, so I know these days. The court uh, jester. Right, like the court jester, think. right. I mean, because these days, yeah. maybe since the Batman movies came out, people are going to think of maybe Heath Ledger's Joker, but you're, you're more the traditional type that you'd see on a playing card. Correct. And you, you saw it firsthand when he was over at your house. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and did you ever talk to Joker after Christine disappeared? Did he ever call the house? Did he ever come over? Anything? No. No. The last time that you ever spoke to him would have been the time that the one time that he was at your house with Christine. Correct. Okay. And the police didn't find him until several years later, at least over five years later. Did the police officers, the investigators ever tell you what Joker had to say about that day, about Christine? Did he offer up any theories as to what could have happened to Christine, to your knowledge? He, said, he couldn't remember if he picked her up that day or not, but he had, they were doing a lot of drugs back then, so it was hard to recall. Okay. All right. Um, do you think the reason that you don't know Joker's full name is because the police have withheld it from you? Or do you have any idea why we, we still don't know his real name in 2019? Because I think it's very important to this case. Well, they probably told me. <laughs> I just don't remember. Oh, I just don't remember. Okay. Do you think that if you were maybe to ask the police uh, for his real name today that they would give it to you? Or what do you think? Well, I can try. It's a different detective, but um, I can see what I can do. Okay. I think that would probably be worth your while. Uh, obviously, if they don't want to give it to you, um, right. that uh, it would be interesting to know where he lived at the time. And uh, there are ways that uh, we could check records for the kinds of cars that people owned back in 2005. There are ways to do that. We might get lucky with something, I think, but it has to start with knowing his real name. Okay, so, but there's no, still no proof that he was the one that actually picked her up that day. Of course, white cars are the most common vehicles uh, right. in the world. If it was a red Ferrari, mm -hmm. then we might be able to narrow it down a little bit. Okay, now, you did tell me, though, while Christine was in California, that she did have uh, kind of a guy that... It could be called a boyfriend. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about him? Jonathan. But I don't remember mm -hmm. his last name now. I mean, okay. they broke up a long time before. Long time before it. She disappeared. 
Okay, but this was in California. This was a California boyfriend? Correct. Okay. Okay, Has do you know if the police have ever spoken to him? Did he, you know, contact you when he found out that Christine went missing or? No, he didn't. I mean, because he lived and worked in Corona after that. So um, I remember telling him at one point that she was, and he said he was sorry to hear that, but. Okay. Okay. And any idea why they might have broken up? Well, I think he wanted to be serious, and Christine wasn't no. ready to settle down, and yeah. he was older, so. Yeah. And could her possible drug usage have been part of that as well? Do you think that maybe was an issue as well, or was was he was he was he into that? He wasn't like that. No. No. Okay. He was a good guy. I liked him. Okay. I thought he was a good influence, but mm. Christine was the wild child. so Just didn't work out. Okay. Let's bring this back to Christine's stepdad, your husband. Um, you'd gotten married to him in 1995, and once again, Christine was not his biological daughter, but um, he adopted her. Um the truth is, is that your uh, husband at the time, uh, his name, official name's Robert, but everybody calls him Robert, uh, calls him Mike, Robert Mike Hamilton. He did have some charges brought against him. Can you tell the listeners uh, what happened back in the 1990s? Well, I didn't find this out till way after he was gone. Okay, and we'll talk about that. So well after... Uh, Christine disappeared that you found this out, but. Well, way after him and I were separated, too. Mm, okay. So he wasn't okay. even in the picture. Okay. But supposedly he was arrested for lewd and lascivious acts in Arizona. Okay. And what would he have been that, did you two meet when you were in Illinois? Yes. Okay. And then then how were, were these charges brought again? What was he doing in Arizona? Do you know? Well, him and I split up, and then we were apart oh. for about two and a half, three years. Okay, and what years would these have been? This have been? Um, they left in 91. So. Okay. So some. Probably happened in 95 before he came back to Illinois. Okay, and you didn't know anything. So when he came back to Illinois, you didn't know anything about this? Nope. Right, and of course, this is the time kind of before the internet that you could have even, even if you were suspicious of something, you couldn't even check that. You would just have to take his word on it. Right, but I okay. did a background check on him after he was gone and found it, and I brought okay. it to the police's attention. All right, we're, well, I want to talk, surely talk about that. But you can you go into more detail of what happened uh, down in Arizona, and what did you learn about this? What I was told was he had his girlfriend's granddaughter and one of her friends with him, and he was supposedly in the mall, and he was trying to take pictures under women's skirts and dresses. And he got caught? Yeah, but then they didn't press charges. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, 
and that might have explained the reason that he went back to Illinois after that. Okay. Um, when you first, you discovered this once again after he had already left, and we'll get into why that, you know, when that happened, why it happened after it, but this is certainly after Christine disappeared that you found this out. Uh, when you read that, were you stunned? Yeah, I was totally shocked. Okay. And how did you um, learn that that was the reason the charges were brought against him? Did the police tell you that, or who told you that? No, I I did a background check on him. Okay, and that's what it said. And I found the arrest, yeah. Okay, okay. Now, they dropped. They did drop the charges, though. He didn't have to pay a fine. He didn't spend any time in jail. Nothing nope. like no. Okay. And okay, and there was nothing while you were married to him that um, never saw anything that would have ever thought that uh, that that was even a possibility. No. Okay. All right. So there's that. I don't know what to make of that. Maybe it's actually happened. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe just I. I don't know. Well, it happened because the police told me that they did talk to the one mother Mm -hmm. and that she said that she had to go down there and pick up her kid. Mm -hmm. So they did arrest him, but then no charges were filed because they didn't want to file charges. Well, Well, I I have to admit in my position that I get a little suspicious when people choose not to file charges. I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but it sounds like it did happen, but when you hear that something like that, with, you know, when he has children with them, I mean, if it's just a guy, a pervert out there, that's one thing, but with children, you'd think that somebody would certainly press those charges, you know, to their yeah. fullest extent, but that's not what happened. So once again, in my position as a reporter, I have to leave my mind open to the idea that maybe there was something else going on here. Who were, who were the kids again? Supposedly his girlfriend's granddaughter and one of her little friends. Okay. And did you ever have a chance to talk to this woman to uh, verify this story? Have you ever, do you know who she is? No, the police didn't give me that information. Okay. All right. So there's that. Uh, the next thing, once again, we have, to, we have to talk about this because I think that you learned about this afterwards. What was Christine um, telling your friends and how did you, which one of these friends told you this? Her friend didn't tell me. The police did. The police did. Okay. And what did they say? They said that Christine told them, her friends, some of her friends, that Mike was molesting her. Wow. Okay. Um... And that was did when you talked to the police about it. Did the police believe this was a um, believable charge? Did they go talk to to Mike about this? And we'll get into why he wasn't in California and everything. But did they go talk to him about this? Try to verify any of this, or did the police just well, they think... didn't bring that up? Mm-hmm. Okay. They just brought questioned him about Christine's disappearance and all that, and then asked him to take a lie detector test. And he said yes. But then once they went down there to take the test, he had lawyered up, and they said there was nothing they could do. Okay. 
All right, so Christine is out there telling some of her friends that he molested her, but I don't know. I don't. I'm not here to to uh, doubt the victim or anything, but there to this day in 2019, uh, to your knowledge, being that you and Mike are not together anymore, has he ever been brought up on any sexual charges of any kind? To your knowledge, once again, I realize that you're no. not stalking him or following him around, but to your knowledge. No. Okay. Nothing I've heard. Okay. So uh, she was telling uh, people that. Do you think that Mike knew this? No, because he was in another state. So. Well, no. Well, no, no. He wasn't in another state when she was telling the because he was with you. He was in. He was in. Oh, that no. Yeah. I don't think so. He didn't know that what she was allegedly telling these other people no because i didn't even know okay so there was that now um after christine disappeared july 7th 2005 um what and we'll get i'm going to get to the lie detector test here in a moment but he wasn't in california for much longer after that what happened after christine disappeared he was here for a year after that. Okay, a year? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? He went to work one day and didn't come home. Hmm. And where did he end up? Arizona. Went back to Arizona, okay. Does he have family there or something? Does he know? Yeah, he did, yeah. Okay. So did he, t I mean, I guess you went to work and you thought he was going to work and did he take everything with him? Did it was like you came home and everything was gone or? No, he went to work before me. Okay. Just... And when I came home and then he never came home and there was nothing gone. He left everything. Wow. And uh, I know that you eventually did get to talk to him. What was the reasoning? What did he say? Um, yeah, I have... It was like some crazy story about that he was taking the medication he had been given because he had high blood pressure and some other health issues that mm -hmm. the medicine just made him whack out. And I'm like, He'd been taking this medication for over a month, like, you know, and then he grew, withdrew money out of the bank. And uh, okay. I put a stop on that and all the accounts and everything because I didn't know what was going on and they were looking for him. And then I finally called his dad and he acted all surprised. And then the next thing you know, I hear from him that. He's there. He's with his dad. In Arizona. In Arizona. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think it was you, and I think that Matt told me this as well, is that he had some – Mike had some unique stories about vision quests and, and, and things or – Oh, yeah, in the past and that, you know, about – Okay. Okay. But he made this crazy story about 
that he was going through Colorado and went into this bathroom to clean up. And then he just happened to come out and meet his daughter that he hadn't seen since she was a little girl. And all this other stuff was sending me pictures of her and all this. And what I found out later is Matt researched it and he was copying pictures off of MySpace at that time and sending it. And we contacted his daughter and she said that that she had talked to her dad, but she has not seen her dad since she was a little girl and that she wanted Mm -hmm. him to help her with some stuff. And then he just kind of, uh, started disregarding her. Okay. So I have to ask, do you think that Mike just kind of, um, lost his mind or you think this was an act or how do you look at it now? It was all an act now. I mean, at the time, I thought I was thinking clearly, but, um, you know, you don't realize when something like that's happening, how you're not really thinking clearly, but looking back at it, yeah, I think it was all a ploy just to leave. Okay. And what has he done with it? Nothing was wrong. Right. And what has he done with his life uh, since he left? I don't, I know now he's living, the last I heard, he was living in Indiana, and he is a merchandiser for Dollar General. He goes to different stores all over. Huh. Cleans them up and gets them back in the... Okay. Wow, okay. So he just took off. Just didn't, uh, no offense, but he didn't just leave you and leave his job, but he left the entire state of California, went to Arizona, has these stories with pictures that he's just pulling off the internet, lying and everything, and all these years later, Mm -hmm. he's in Indiana. Right. Okay. Let's get back. I didn't know he was in Indiana until later on when the police had me talking to his sister. And then that's when I found out. She goes, he's here. He's in Indiana. I'm like, huh? Yeah. So you've talked, you actually talked to Mike's sister. Yeah. And what did she have to say about all that? She even said that, you know, she thought he had something to do with it. They were, police were recording the conversations and all that. And then when I said something about them questioning him there, her husband was a police officer. She said, well, she didn't want us to do it in the town that they lived in because she didn't want to embarrass Mm -hmm. her husband, who was a police chief, I think at that time. And then the FBI got involved. And then when they went to question her, she kind of backtracked a lot. Okay, so in your conversation with his sister, just to be clear on this, she thought there was a possibility that Mike could have had something to do with Christine's disappearance. Yep. Okay, but then she backtracked from that later. Right. Okay. You mentioned a lie detector test earlier. When was that done? Mike was given one or he was he they tried no. to give him one. Please um explain that again if you could. That they he agreed to take the lie detector test. 
they got the person to go down there with them to Indiana. And once they got there, he had lawyered up and refused to take the lie detector test. And he has refused to take it all. How long ago was this? Was this 10 years ago or long time ago? Mm. Probably. Well, it could have been that long ago. I was okay. detected before last. So, but <laughs> then I think they just left it at that. Okay. And he has continued to lawyer up since that time, whenever it was. I don't think anybody's tried to okay. Okay. contact him. Okay. Well, let's just, being that he did, he, he was in California for a year before, uh, after Christine disappeared and then he left. Would you say that um, he was helpful? Was he was supportive? Was uh, he engaged in trying to figure out what happened to Christine, in your opinion? Well, they were you know, reinvestigating it right then when I, when he left and supposedly he went to make some flyers and then that's when he took off. That was the story he gave me. He didn't okn know why he left. He said he doesn't, you know, he just knows that he was driving. So he, so Mike had some sort of blackout or something? Oh, well, that's what he says. Okay, so, all right, so well, let me ask you this again. Before this, at the time, Christine, when Christine disappeared in those first few weeks, not a year later when they reinvestigated, but those first few weeks after Christine disappeared, would you say that Mike was supportive, helpful, engaged? All yeah, he was engaged. Would you say that he was no. energetic and trying to figure out what happened to Christine, just like you were? No. Okay. Looking back, I'd say no. All right. What would you say that his attitude was? Uh, kind of so-so about it, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. not overly concerned. And we do have to remember that Christine allegedly did give him road rash a few, at least a few months before this, and, yeah. and their relationship was contentious. And we have to remember that, as you said, Mike put new rules in that nobody could come over to the house. She couldn't have friends over these things. So it sounds like it was contentious. So yeah. he could have been simply, he could be totally innocent as, and I'm the I'm just yeah. asking the questions, but it could be yeah. that he simply thought, you know, Christine's gone. Good riddance. <laughs> could be yep. could be that's true simply because um maybe to him she was just a, such a pain in the butt maybe yeah okay all right um it's been 14 years it's going to be 14 years here in in another month mm -hmm. and what has this been like for you barbara It's been hard because mm -hmm. people don't understand and Matt and I don't have the greatest relationship. So uh, mm -hmm. he wasn't somebody I could talk to either. Mm -hmm. 
And you don't have any family out there? Are they in where Illinois or? Yeah, everybody's in Illinois. Right, and like you said before, Matt is in Texas now. And uh, so you just have to rely on friends that you've made in Moreno Valley over the last 15 years. Right. I mean, they're good friends and they understand, mm-hmm. but I don't think anybody really understands unless they've been there. That's uh, surely true. That's surely true. Um, when was the last time you spoke to a detective uh, about Christine's disappearance? Probably six months ago. Okay, well... I have to tell you, I, I'm, I'm, uh, how did that uh, discussion go? But there's nothing new. New? Okay. Would you? How was that uh, particular meeting arranged? Did you call them, and how did that happen? Yeah, I just call them. They're across the parking lot, but I talked to them on the phone. I did meet with okay. them probably a year or so ago, and. They were going through everything again, but nothing new. Okay. And when you say across the parking lot, the listeners should know what that means. From is you work, where I work. Where yeah. you work, you work for Moreno Valley, correct? I, yeah, I work for the city of Moreno Valley and the police okay. department across the parking All lot. Right. So, so um, they might might kind of a little bit know who you are in the first place. Oh, yeah, they do. Be, because yeah. of you being there. Okay. Well, uh, I have to admit that is helpful that you know that you're there and they're right across the parking lot and they know that you're a fellow fellow municipal employee so um that hopefully can it will be something in your favor uh, because i do like to hear it that even though this case is 14 years old that you did have a talk with them six months ago trust me when i tell you that a lot of cases that are like christine's age might have been years since a family yeah. members talked to him. So um, have the police, if you can say, you do not have to say, but I have to ask this. Have the police ever offered up any theory as to what happened to Christine? Well, nobody really did till the last detective. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they always ask me what I think. And I... They really don't say that's what they think. They just mm-hmm. ask, kind of ask me what I think. But I mm-hmm. told them that my daughter would have called me no matter what, whether she was mad at me or she would block the number, but she always called me. So I said that, you know, I'm starting mm-hmm. to think that she's not here anymore. Yeah. I guess what I'm asking is, did the police just come out and just give you a theory, but just say, you know, what this is what we think happened, but we can't prove it? No. Okay. Okay. Do you have a Facebook page or website, anything set up for Christine's case? No. No, you don't. Okay. Well, you might want to think about that. Um... I would certainly recommend that because it'll definitely certainly raise the profile. Even if just for Google searches, it'll pop up more yeah. when people do searches for missing persons cases and things. 
Um, you really should have one. Uh, I'm not saying necessarily you need to be the administrator, but get somebody that you trust who would do a good job if you don't have the time or um, you know the energy to do it, which is something I could surely understand. Nobody would hold it against you if you wanted somebody else to manage it. But um, I can tell you that in past cases where there hasn't been uh, pages set up yet that some of my listeners have stepped up to offer their services to help out, of course, for free because they know how to do those things. So maybe that would happen in this case that I, okay. I would certainly recommend that to you. And if some of my listeners offer that up, they'll, they know where to find you that um, I would certainly recommend you take them up on it. That's uh, surely okay. for sure, for sure. Okay. And by the time that the listeners are hearing our interview, I will have linked to the Charlie Project and other places so they know about Christine. I don't like my listeners to go into any episode cold. I'd like them to read about it before uh, the episode comes out. Um, so there's that. Um, any last words, Barbara, before we conclude this interview? But I'm just asking that if anybody listening to this knows anything, no matter how little, please contact us. Okay. And Barbara, I can tell you, even though I will move on to other cases, that I will continue to be here in any capacity that you desire. You know, just to talk, to give recommendations, suggestions. Obviously, I'm trying to do uh, some things here with Troy Lynn Proctor, a couple other people. Um, of course, keeping in contact with Yvette. I think it was good to track her down after all these years and reconnect with her. Maybe you can have a discussion with her too at some point. But um, I'll continue to work on it uh, once again in any capacity that you see fit. And I deeply appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. You're welcome very much. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Barbara Hamilton, mother of Christine Hamilton. I thank her for being on the program. And I would also like to thank Christine's brother, Matt, who also contributed to my knowledge for this disappearance. I will be talking about my conversation with him in a moment. As I often think when we cover cases like Christine's, the reason her mother or her brother didn't know many friends of hers, and if they did, they only knew first names or nicknames, the reason is because Christine wanted it that way. She didn't want her family to know who she was hanging around because Christine knew they wouldn't approve and she'd just be given a hard time about it. It's not that Barbara wasn't a good parent. It's not that Matt didn't care about his sister. Christine wanted to do what she wanted to do. And that was that. She could make her own decisions. And most likely one of those choices led to her disappearance. Having said that, we luckily do have a couple complete names. Yvette Ramirez, who even did an interview about Christine back at the time of the disappearance. I've spoken to Yvette, and she's been very helpful. Troy Lynn Proctor. I haven't spoken to her yet, but I will continue to try to do so. We also have some streets in Moreno Valley. Dunlavy Street. Jimson Place. They could be significant. And this is just information I've been able to uncover within like the last week. So all was not lost in this case. And there is much to do 14 years later. Regarding my talk with Matt, just as Barbara and I discussed in the interview, 
He saw the car pull up. Christine went out and got in. There was no hesitation. She didn't stop at the driver's side window. Christine went directly from the curb to the interior of the car. And Matt is certainly regretful that he didn't have his contacts in so he could have seen everything in more detail. Most importantly, the kind of car and maybe even the driver's face. The wiggle room in this case, and that's what I like to call it, is the behavior of Christine's stepfather after her disappearance and the discovery of the details of those charges brought against him in the prior years. Could Christine have come home when Barbara and Matt weren't there? Both of them told me it was possible, but they say the odds of that given everyone's work schedules at the time were very, very low. Just possibly, though, maybe Christine could have been seen one more time going back into the house after July 7th, 2005 from a front window. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.